0: on this episode of the popcorn diet we assess the world at large and we offer our first franchise refills episode of the fast saga because damn it we're gonna keep doing the podcast episodes that we want to do no matter what get your popcorn ready Welcome all you good movie buddies to The Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie theater popcorn where you can get it and other movie snacks. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy, and joining us as usual is our other good movie buddy, The Canadian Machine, Mr. David Malhorn. David, how are you doing today, buddy?
1: I'm feeling alone. Yeah? Socially distanced.
0: I mean... That's true. You you have a better situation. You have a family. I do. And you have children, which one could say is a better situation, one could say is a worse situation.
1: Thankfully, daycare is still open for, for us, at least. Is it so for now? They are They are not at home with us all day long. Oh, man. Wow. That's... That being said, you as you know, I do track as well as other things. So only having, like, one thing to do. Yeah. That's why I was, like, itching to do a podcast because it's, like, I need I need more things to do than just just work. Absolutely. Because I'm used to having five things happening all at once.
0: It's very true. You and I are, are currently in um, the process of working from home uh, for this week and very likely the extended future. Um, you're I mean, the I, I can't even begin to imagine what the daycare situation is going to be like eventually. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about at first. We're going to get to fun movie stuff in a little bit. But I did want to, at the very least, let our listeners know kind of what the plan is at large because there's one thing that we're not going to be able to do, David, and that's review new
1: movies coming out into the theaters for at least a couple of months. Well, I think that's that'll be the interesting part to see how everything changes because – Yes, we've already seen pretty much every release get pushed back. Yeah. Uh, That was originally going to come out. We now have AMC and Regal who just closed doors for uh, the time being. Yep. So AMC uh, paused. Originally, AMC was doing 50% occupancy. Mm -hmm. Um, We got an alert on that where you could go, but they were limiting it to 50% um, seating. Then they just recently today completely closed them down and and went on a break from that standpoint um in in effort to you know do their do their part to flatten the curve flatten the curve uh contribute to kind of protecting people from themselves because i think it's already been established through all of this that you can put as many warnings out. You can have as many stats. You can the media can portray it as as negatively and as dire as they can. And, and people are still going to go out to a bar. People are still going to go to the movies. They're um, going to buy a lot of toilet paper. And so the only way you stop that is to not give them those options. Not give options. them those so, options.
0: Yeah. And it's really rough. It's been really interesting. And and honestly, you know, to say it's been really rough is is again really interesting because ultimately all of these things are recreation and and they're they're not by any means any type of um, you know necessity but it's weird it's really weird and it's throwing a lot of people off you know now a- AMC has allowed you to pause your A-list subscription I know my gyms paused they, my membership they
1: automatically did it for you now did they so automatically now that they're was, closed originally you could pause it but now that it's closed they paused it's automatic I paused
0: yeah. it as soon as I could um, and so again it's going to be really weird and you know, we kind of have a little bit of a plan of what we're going to do, but also at the same time, things are changing literally hourly. You know, they're changing daily right now. Um, we found out that Universal is going to be releasing some of their most recently released movies on VOD with the ability to watch them for 20 bucks. Movies like The Invisible Man. I think they're doing a day and date for Trolls World Tour. Um, there's going to be a lot of interesting things to see about the way movie theaters handle that because obviously there are certain studios that have their own release uh, platforms such as Disney plus, you know, Amazon prime, Netflix has always had its own. And NBC universal has been getting ready to roll out Peacock and Warner brothers is going to have HBO max, but neither of those two are available right now, but it's conceivable that we might see some of those movies put out day and date
1: well and even some of the theaters like amc has their streaming options right. as well because they advertised i think it was about a week ago that you could watch um end game on
0: on, its streaming. on their
1: streaming yeah and so it's it'll be interesting i think you know obviously the big movies are, are not going to It'd be very surprising to me if any of the really large movies sure. did anything. The but
0: Mulans, the Black Widows, the did Quiet anything, Places. Yeah, did
1: anything but push back the release date. Right. Um, there's too much money to be made in the theaters. True. And I think if history tells us anything is that once you put it out there streaming, people find ways to pirate it. People will circumvent the systems, yep. whether it's providing Shit, logins. They, they do that with theaters, like yeah. So bring I mean, a it's freaking
0: camcorder in there.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I think it, there's too much to lose by just banking it, and I think right. Um, I think it's going to have a the interesting part is all of this, everything that's going on has a trickle down effect, right? Sure. So like, you know, whether bars and that closed down it's a question of whether some of them can even afford to open again right you know and and the interesting part for the movie industry is obviously we think of them as these huge giants with billions and billions of dollars but Mm -hmm. they also spend billions and billions of dollars and so the interesting part will be however long this kind of hangs up you know i don't think bailing out the movie industry is going to be high on the list for the government so it'll it'll the the thing that i'm interested to see is does it have a trickle down effect of blockbusters having tighter budgets sure. uh less blockbusters in a year i mean we're so used to every year f- at least 10 or 12 like major franchises releasing films Right. You know we we got usually two to three from the Marvel franchise every year. Yeah, we always get two, one or two Pixar movies. The biggest we movies get...
0: are sequels and adaptations yeah. and remakes.
1: Exactly. So, I mean, obviously, we're going to get the things that are already made, and we're just waiting for release. Um, but how does that trickle down on on its effect on us getting movies? So it'll be it'll be seriously interesting. Um, I would also be interested to see whether during this time. Uh, subscriptions to all these streaming sites go up go like up. i think most people think oh they're going to go up because people have nothing to do right but people
0: also some there's some people in the world who aren't making
1: money yeah and there's because uh, all these people that you're saying are now at home and going to buy your streaming sites also because they're at home they're not at their jobs right. making money and so if you're starting to cut costs, like what's one of the first things you're probably going to do? It's right. going to be those cut
0: the necessities, cut the bullshit. Basically. You
1: know your forty dollar a month or sixty dollar a month Hulu subscription or something like that. You <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, exactly. So,
0: um, it's going to be crazy, and we're going to adapt as we're going to try our best to adapt as we can. You know, if if we do see some major releases like. I'm going to try and talk David in, maybe not right now on the podcast, but maybe we'll do a fi- we'll do an Invisible Man podcast because that movie is going to be coming out. Literally, it came out like what, less than a month ago. Um, it's going to be really wild. Birds of Prey is going to be out on VOD next week. So maybe we'll do a Birds of Prey podcast and if the if the situation changes, you know, maybe we'll do a Netflix original maybe we'll do a prime original depending on what happens so there's a lot of flexibility on what's that's going to happen um we very <laughs> uh maybe we'll do a couple of uh, pandemic episodes david i think we got a, a good list of of movies whether it be outbreak or contagion or 28 days later <laughs> or whatever um that we could do that have to do with virus maybe we do virus with jamie lee curtis and the killer robots which is A very bad movie. but Yeah, well,
1: I think suffice to say we're going to do, we may not have new movies, or we may have very few movies. We might do
0: Perfect Popcorns. But we
1: can do Perfect Popcorns. We'll do franchise refills. Maybe we'll even visit some of the movies as they're starting to come out on being able to stream that we missed last year. Because last year was a great movie year. Last year was a great movie year. uh, We didn't do episodes on our best picture winner, Parasite. We could we just, just do uh, 10
0: weeks of Parasite podcast. Absolutely. So uh,
1: we've got lots of options. And I think the main thing that we want to do is continue to put out content because everybody's looking for things to do. I mean, it I mean, was it was disappointing for me when there's some, some podcasts that I listen to that usually come out on Tuesday and they weren't out today because yeah. I was like, What am I going to do? I don't have have anything to listen to. Well, that's
0: and that's the last thing I want to mention is that this is this is going to have a trickle down effect on a lot of things. Like I look forward to the new movie soundtracks and guess what? I'm not going to be getting new movie soundtracks. I get jacked for new movie trailers. Odds are we're not going to be getting any new movie trailers for a while. So and the podcast content and the stuff that's going to happen is all going to slow down due to this. Now, some might continue on you and I. It's just you and me. Like, this, that's all it takes. It's you and me in a room. This isn't a gathering of 10-plus people with producers and things like that. And you and I have already spent the majority of our lives close enough to where one of us gets sick. You know, screw it. (laughs) So, you know, we will continue on. We will forge on. And... In, in the name of Forging On, one of the things that we were going to do before all the shit hit the fan is one of the things that we are going to still do, and that is our Franchise Refills series on the Fast Saga, or the Fast and the Furious franchise. Now, obviously, F9, which is a really weird title, is not going to be coming out on May 22nd, 2020 anymore. It is one of the few movies, David, that rather than just delaying its opening,
1: straight up just said, screw it, we're going to go next year. Well, I think for them, they realize, listen, we're not going to make more money than that May release time. Like We know this from all our other movies. This has been our bread and butter of when we release. Going to the fall, going to November, December is not going to work out as well. We are a summertime popcorn and it movie. Could,
0: and it could be a log jam of movies at the end of the year.
1: Exactly, And so why push and push and push and get people bummed over and over and over again? Um, I mean, there's so many movies we don't even know. Like half the movies that just got delayed – like, we don't have a date for Mulan. Like, Bond, we were told November, which I think will probably stick. But we don't know Mulan. We don't know Black Widow. Uh, Black Quiet Widow. Place. We don't know Quiet Place. So there's all this uncertainty, whereas Fast and the Furious just said, you know what, we're just going to skip a year. We'll go out another year. They already so, had
0: that date, too. That They had that date locked down for the 10th Fast and Furious yeah. th- that they were making. And so now it's April 2nd, 2021 is and when that review is. Which makes the, us
1: assume we'll then get one in 2022 maybe we'll get the 10th or maybe again, they'll do a this...
0: Deathly hallows and release it like six months later and do a fall one who knows true
1: and we don't know i don't know if they've finished filming yet i don't know um, on that one either but again that also has a trickle down effect how many productions of movies that were in the middle of filming got shut down because of this absolutely and uh. <laughs> and so that's going to you know we're thinking about the movies that We're getting ready to come out that that are are done that are done that are getting pushed back. What about the movies that were supposed to come out like in December or January or February of next year? Right. That now they're not going to be done filming if this lasts for, you know, another six months.
0: Exactly. Um, So we are doing the franchise refills on the Fast Saga. Damn it. No matter what. Now normally our franchise refills, you can find them in the entire series on our Patreon. All you got to do is go to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet. Just a couple of bucks to help support the podcast goes a long way and it gets you access to those franchise refills. We haven't fully decided what we're going to do with this series yet. Uh, we have decided that this first um, franchise refill is going to be free, part of this episode. But the other ones, we think we're going to put them on the Patreon. And so, obviously, we talked about how short people are with money, and, and I wouldn't want you to incur any type of new, you know, expenditure that you can't afford. But if you are a listener that can afford it, that can afford supporting a small indie podcast that doesn't have new movie content coming out that normally drives, you know, its, its listeners, then... Go to our Patreon and, and jump on and, and throw a dollar or two or five our way and you'll get access to the rest of our free franchise refills as well as all of the other previous franchise refills that we've done as well. But with all of that being said, let's take a look at the Fast Saga. The Fast Saga, David, is nine – well, it, I guess now as we sit, eight films and a spinoff. Eight total films in a spinoff that we will be covering in this series, starting with The Fast and Furious, which came out in 2001, followed by Two Fast, Two Furious in 2003. They really missed an opportunity there by not releasing it in 2002. Um, The Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift in 06, then just Fast and Furious in 09, Fast Five in 2011. Fast and Furious 6 in 2013, Furious 7 in 2015. <laughs> I love this franchise so much. And the fate of the Furious in 2017, which uh culminated, well it didn't really culminate, but it now the last entry is the first spin-off of the franchise, which was the Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw in 2019. And so that's a lot of of episodes for us to get to. That's a lot of episodes for us to talk about and a lot of episodes to walk through. And the first one we are going to be looking at is the Fast and the Furious, the original. 2001, came out June 22nd, 2001. What is the Fast and Furious? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, the Fast and Furious is basically Point Break. It's Point Break, but instead of surfing and skydiving, it is fast cars and it is racing. And instead of a crew of surfers that are robbing banks, we have a crew of street racers that are robbing trucks, stealing DVD players, mostly. And what happens is that in Undercover... Uh, officer Brian O'Connor, played by Paul Walker, the late Paul Walker, uh, is tasked with going undercover and discovering which street racing crew is pulling off these these heists, which is nuts. Um, he gets in he gets in bed and he uh, kind of gets close with Dominic Toretto, the the fabled, the near mythical Dominic Toretto, although at that time he was purely he was only infamous. I don't mm-hmm. think he had quite, quite reached fabled and mythical status yet. I don't think so. So he's just infamous Dominic Toretto and his crew. His crew of Vince, Leon, Jesse, his girlfriend, Letty, and his sister, Mia. And most of the movie is them just broing out, just hanging out, Brian's romancing Mia, gaining and gathering wisdom from, from Dominic Toretto, from Dom, and he's on the case you know, he's he's looking to see if this is the crew that's doing it. He doesn't think the crew is doing it. So he starts looking at Johnny Tran and he starts looking at Hector and he starts looking at other racing crews. And it becomes more and more obvious that he's in too deep. He's in too deep with Mia. He's 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 letting Dom off the hook for a lot of things. And then you got Vince sniffing around. Ultimately, I mean, there's there's so many oddly different plot lines going on in this movie, David. You have obviously the heist and the cops and sniffing out the crew, but then you also have the battle between Dom's crew and Johnny Tran, who's local gangster. Then you have race wars. All of this is leading up to race wars in the California desert. And then ultimately it all, again, culminates. With Brian becoming a better racer. It all culminates with a race wars defeat of Jesse by Johnny Tran which then turns into Jesse getting murdered which turns into Dominic chasing down Johnny Tran which is all all happens after the final heist goes completely berserk and Vince is wound up wounded Brian outs himself as a cop and it ends with Brian and Dom on that fateful stretch of road perfect quarter mile racing and the iconic i would argue iconic shot of dom's charger hitting that semi flipping end over end maybe one of the best car stunts in film you know it's it's on the list um and then brian letting him go which is where this movie differs from point break in that dom gets away brian brian lets him go and covers for him And the rest is history rather than letting Bodhi go and die in the waves like Keanu did. Dom lives to see another day. And that's the hell. I mean, it's, it's again, it's one of the, it's, it's comparison to point break is almost hilariously accurate, almost hilariously accurate, even down to the number of crew that are on his team. Like it it is point break to the fullest. Um, but yeah, man, it was, it was, I mean, what was Fast and Furious to you when it first came out?
1: So I remember seeing it, I think the weekend it came out, definitely in theaters. And I remember seeing it and just having a great time with it. It definitely, I think when it came out, I uh, was right before we were able to drive. So we were 15. Yeah, we
0: were 15 when right, this movie right came when,
1: out. Right around 15, yeah. Um, I think I had just turned 15. Mm-hmm. So we obviously weren't able to drive yet, um, whether we were driving or not at that time. Does, pro- it doesn't need to be said. It's probably it's pro- I definitely had driven plenty up in I, Canada. So, I had also driven. Farm, so I had I'm driven sure you plenty. did helping out your pops with. Yeah. Whatever was going on. Yes. I driving the, stuff to the dump or driving to like the that.
0: dump, learning, learning to drive stick.
1: Exactly. So uh, I think. As a follow to this, because we couldn't drive right away, it more made you curious kind of about this world and just kind of the coolness of these cars. Right. and Driving fast and that uh, probably was a good thing. Neither of us could drive at the time. Uh, Neither legally. of
0: us were burning out of the parking lot after the movie.
1: But I just remember it was one of those movies that felt really driven by music. Um, yes. For better or for worse. For better or for worse, especially when you go back and rewatch it, some of it is for worse. But uh, it definitely felt like kind of music was very ingrained, which I was always big into. um, Movies that had some of of that pop culture music in it, even if it wasn't like your favorite kind, like the use of that throughout the movie is is present. Um, I also think with this movie, obviously it introduced you to a number of actors that we ended up to grow in love. Paul Walker. That's a great point. Knew from The Skulls. I don't know that I had seen The Skulls before I saw this. I
0: know I definitely have not seen
1: The Skulls. I've seen The Skulls, but I had—I don't think I saw it prior to this film. Uh, Vin Diesel, I think this came out. Did this come out before or after Pitch Black? This came out. I'm
0: almost certain it was Pitch Black. It was, I'm almost certain it was after. Because Pitch Black during. is...
1: Pitch Black is basically what I remember first inter- getting introduced to. It was. To. It was the
0: year after. It was the year. So this was Vin Diesel's big blow-up movie. Yeah. But he had been doing good work. Obviously, he did He did Multifacial, which was a short film that got a lot of recognition. He was in Saving Private Ryan. He did The Voice of the Iron Giant. Then he did Boiler Room and Pitch Black in 2000. And then Fast and Furious was, two, uh, was 2001. And ever since then, it's been Vin Diesel.
1: Exactly, and for me personally, it introduced me to Paul Walker, Vin Diesel, and Michelle Rodriguez, who now we know for lots of different things, and and for each of them, it wasn't necessarily their first thing, but it's what I always think of them, you know, moving forward until eternity, it's Fast and the Furious is what I it's think paul yeah. It's it's paul. Letty, it's Brian uh-huh. it's Dom. Like, it's Dom. That's, that's who I think of with these. So outside of that, I don't remember you know being 15 in that other than just thinking this was a fun movie and yeah. I enjoyed it. it. I don't think it really wasn't like I would have called it my favorite movie of the year. Sure. I probably watched it a couple times in theaters because when you were that age, you get dropped off the mall. There wasn't really much else to do. So you ended up seeing movies more than once in theaters. But uh, other than that, I mean, that's what I remember. Um, from the movie, but I, I guess for you, what what do you remember?
0: Well, it certainly didn't
1: turn me into a gearhead. Like that's like it was good. Like
0: don't get me wrong, it was it was a very good movie. But there are movies that came out that year that that I think stuck with me a lot longer. Like for example, Fellowship of the Ring came out in two thousand and one. Ocean's Eleven came out in two thousand and one. Um, the Mummy, like The Mummy Returns, Jurassic Park three. I am not saying The Mummy Returns or Jurassic Park three are better than this movie. They are categorically not better than The Fast and Furious. Um, but those movies came out in this same year, you know? And so 2001 is just, again, it's a really interesting year. I remember loving this movie. I remember waiting the entire movie to see the stunt, to see the car crash. I've always been a car crash guy. I just love, I, I when I was a kid, I would have my little Hot Wheels and monster trucks and I would smash my Hot Wheels with a brick so that they looked like the monster trucks ran them over. Like I needed the realism, <laughs> you know? Um, But I enjoyed this movie very much as a kid. I don't think like I don't think I started getting super into it until after Tokyo Drift, because I remember I didn't even see Tokyo Drift in the theaters. But regardless, like it's clearly stuck with me for a long time. And a big part of it has to do with the people involved. A big a big part of it has to do with the fact. And I thought you said it great which was this movie introduced us to actors and performers that were just on the cusp of blowing up. You know, you had mentioned Vin Diesel already. Paul Walker same thing. Paul Walker had been working, he was in Varsity Blues, she's all that. He was the blonde douchebag
1: <laughs> in a lot of for,
0: for in a lot of movies and this made him into, you know, a um, a celebrity. Michelle Rodriguez, she was in Girl Fight, she got acclaim for her role in Girl Fight, and then cashed in a year later, Fast and Furious, and even some of the supporting characters, Georg- Jordana Brewster, blew up because of this, you know, and became Jordana Brewster. Maybe not to the level that that Vin and Paul and Michelle Rodriguez did, but nonetheless, like this was the the introduction to them. What's funny is that it was almost there were there were other possibilities um, involved with that. There were other possibilities. In who would have <laughs> who would have gotten cast? I think my favorite one is that Timothy Oliphant actually turned down the role of Dominic Toretto, and you and I were talking and trying to figure out what Dominic Toretto as Timothy Oliphant would be. And the funny thing is, is this Dominic Toretto is probably nothing near the script that was written with Oliphant in mind or pitched Oliphant because. Vin Diesel had taken quite a while to agree to be in this movie and a lot of Dominic's stuff was rewritten to better fit his sensibilities, for lack of a better word. And so – but that I love – you and I are big unapologetic Olafant fans here. Yeah. Good friend of the podcast. Well, and I think the, the interesting
1: part about that was he was – because the year before this and it's a trend we talked about plenty that when certain movies come out, there seems to be – a grouping of those movies. But God in 60 Seconds came out the uh-huh. year before. Not that that's about street racing, but cars. that's one that I remember as well. And this kind of triggered off kind of a, a series of car movies that who, who was stick in that, with my who mind. Who was
0: in that movie? Timothy Oliphant.
1: Timothy Oliphant. He, and was, so, he, was. <laughs> he, he was in that movie, and obviously that's very much centered around cars. This mm-hmm. movie, and while later in this franchise maybe it gets away from cars more, this movie is very much cars are ingrained in the DNA of this movie. Yes. Um, in addition to a lot of other things we'll talk about. but um, So it was interesting that he was, after Gone in 60 Seconds, the person that they targeted for this role. I, and I'm willing to bet it was because of his role in Go.
0: Um, I, I'm almost certain you haven't seen Go. I would be surprised if you did, honestly. That's not a commentary. It's not a knock on you. I just cannot picture Go being a movie that you have seen without us talking about it, probably not. Okay, but he was in Go, and that was like kind of his big. Oh, Timothy Oliphant, you know. And then he did, and then it, he didn't really take off. I mean, he's still, I mean, he's still strong worker, Timothy Oliphant. He's not global superstar Vin Diesel. And sure. who, who wouldn't? Who knows if he would have gotten Dominic Toretto if that would have happened or not? Um, some other possibilities: Paul Walker was cast, but Mark Wahlberg, Christian Bale, and Eminem. We're all considered for the role of Brian. Um, Jordana Brewster was cast as Mia, Natalie Portman, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Kirsten Dunst, Bayou Phillips, and Jessica Biel all auditioned for that role as well, which is nuts. That's just absolutely wild to me. Um, allegedly, I just – I. I, I the Rob Cohen thing was super interesting to me, and Rob Cohen is the director of this film. Rob Cohen directed *Daylight*, which is one of my favorite Stallone movies. But that's almost every Stallone movie is one of my favorite Stallone movies. Directed *Dragonheart*, which is uh, a not insignificant um, fantasy adventure movie. Um, he did he he did the third Mummy movie. His post *Fast and Furious* career not great. Um, not what the, are you
1: talking about, Triple X?
0: Triple (laughs) X notwithstanding. But I remember reading about how Rob Cohen was fascinated about this culture. He read a a Vibe magazine article that was called Racer X, and he he just got into it. He just was all – Rob Cohen is known for being kind of a kooky spiritual guy and getting into like the, the spiritualism, the spirituality I think is a better word for it of his movie subjects. And so, I, again, I thought it was absolutely fascinating that Rob Cohen decided to do this movie. Fun fact about the screenplay co-written by David Ayer. David Ayer, if you for, if for, the, for the, the good listeners out here, not an insignificant name in Hollywood right now. He wrote movies like U571. He wrote Training Day. He wrote SWAT. He directed End of Watch. Fury, directed Suicide Squad, Bright uh, from Netflix, like mostly these gritty, gritty cop movies, these gritty crime cop movies kind of things with a few exceptions like Fury and whatnot. But it kind of makes sense. Like this isn't quite a gritty David Ayer movie, but it deals with cops and robbers and crime and, and clearly defined characters. Um, and I just, I find that all interesting, David. Now you being the statistician and historian,
1: what do we got? How was this movie received? W- one thing on that before we go Throw to the it reception, up. absolutely. That I this I love this story, so I want to make sure. Okay, and yeah. Bring it in. Oh hell yeah! So I love that this got created in a large part from Rob Cohen approaching Paul Walker when Skulls got finished. That's and, right, because he and asking him basically like, "What do you want to do next?" Uh huh. Um, and Paul Walker basically replied with the idea. That he wanted to do something that was a mix of, uh, oh, what was it? Days of Thunder uh-huh. and Donny Brasco, like mix <laughs> mixing those two into a film. And if you think about it, I, I, I guess this is they kind of nailed it. <laughs> this is kind of a mix of Donny Brasco and uh and they, Days of Thunder. So
0: they kind of nailed that.
1: <laughs> so I love that. That's. The inspiration and especially when you think about what was the result absolutely oh but, for sure uh, but as far as the the box office and the critical response uh, box office wise so budget wise they only spent 38 million on this which uh, I think seems about right yeah. watching the film I mean there's definitely cars and that and stunts and that but there's not a whole lot of CGI or special effects this is much more stunt heavy where more Later like, in the franchise, we get into a little bit more CGI the, and other stuff. The
0: cast was cheap. They probably didn't have to buy these cars; they could be provided and sure. loaned and whatnot. So, yeah. But it
1: but it ended up making uh, two hundred and seven million total. Um, it made, I believe, uh, domestically it was one forty four, and it was about sixty two international. Uh, so that kind of made that up. Obviously, that's a huge success off of a thirty eight million dollar budget. Um, Critics, critics, I don't think it's that unpredictable that it's 53% on Rotten Tomatoes. How dare they? And I think most people actually gave it kind of props for its action and and the scenes of actual racing and the action. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everything else, plot holes, things like that were kind of criticized. Which, again, I I don't think any of that criticism is unfair. No, I get it. That being said, I think if you go into the movie not expecting that, I think for what this movie is trying to be, I think it does a good job it of it. It does a good job of it. It does a great it. job of it.
0: Of Donnie Brasco meets Days of Thunder? Absolutely. And I think point it does break does a remake. Fantastic job. What do you what do you want from this?
1: Uh users, there's been over a million user ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. Jesus. And it's at seventy four percent. So All right. most people that see this movie enjoy it. It's
0: enjoyable. I enjoyed it. It's notwithstanding. Didn't hate it.
1: Wasn't a whole lot of awards, probably not that unpredictable, um, but it did get probably more accolades than most people would would expect, mostly from more of the smaller circuits. Obviously, Mm -hmm. it was it's a movie that you could predict doing well at the uh, MTV Awards. Mm hmm. Uh, but it also got uh, some love from the Taurus Awards, Taurus Awards, are the fight, which the is the stunt awards. stunt awards, which makes sense because there's there's some great stunts because because there's not a lot of CGI, there's a lot of great driving stunts and things like that within here. So I think it won it I won five, is... five Taurus Awards, best driving, best work with a vehicle, best stunt by a stunt woman, best stunt by a man. Uh, and bus stunt coordinator in second unit. So this in a was the film, this so. was the
0: sec that was the second Taurus Awards, the second ever Taurus Awards. And I believe, and I have not done the total research on this, but it won. I think the most Taurus Awards of any single film, as you said, it won. Uh, it Five won... total,
1: and was nominated for for seven. So, I mean, I think all of that is uh, is pretty. Uh, a pretty good credit to the work that oh. they do from a driving perspective. I think most of us now, having perspective of the whole series, yeah. think of it as you know over-the-top, kind of cheesy popcorn. And it's basically a superhero. Driving is kind of secondary to this. Right. A- and the scenes that we do have are, are pretty unrealistic. Yeah. This movie, I, I felt like actually probably almost everything that happened in this film could be done. Oh, yeah. You know, even the ones that people joke about, like the driving under the semi trucks, like I believe that would be possible if your car was low enough. Like there's, yeah, if the there are it, certain, it'd be depends very, on the it'd truck. be very difficult uh, to time it up and mm-hmm. everything. But like, it's not impossible. And I imagine in the stunt work, they actually did do that. They did. Um, it was practical. It was so, rigged, obviously. Yeah, like, everything's rigged. But so I think all of this. Gives a little bit, I'm not going to call this a very realistic, like, down and gritty, as you mentioned, view of, like, street racing and what it actually is like. I don't think the majority of street races are anything like what we saw. Uh But that being said, I do think the racing is all very realistic in this one versus some of the others.
0: See, what's funny is, and I'm looking, I could do a whole podcast just on the Taurus Awards. Technically, the Dark Knight also won five awards. So the two highest winning movies at the Taurus Awards are The Fast and the Furious and The Dark Knight. I love it. But the um the categories are not always the same from what I can tell. I'm going to have to do again I'll have to do some more research on this at a later time. But like things have evolved, you know, from best like in 2008 there was not a, a there was not a best driving award like there was in 2002 there was there's a best work with a vehicle award which you know that yeah
1: and I'm sure it's like a lot of things where as you get into your awards further along you kind of realize like it evolves maybe these are too specific and things like that and so they probably broadened it a little bit so there could be more nominees along that but um, I think one of the other things about this movie is there was definitely some cultural impact into it and I think beyond just like some of the music, which we got a couple of songs that were, were iconic Oh yeah, from the trailers oh, of yeah. that. Uh, maybe not necessarily directly in the film, but I think uh, the one that stuck out to me as I was thinking about this movie and something that it brought, obviously racing and street racing, it brought kind of to the limelight, whether it was realistic or not. Sure, But I think NOS is something Nos, that huge. no one would know about. Right. If not unless you're into racing, street racing, no one would know about that if not for the Fast and the Furious movies. I can't think of another movie that features Nas. Right. I don't know anything about Nas <laughs> to say whether they use it in a realistic way. I right. can almost guarantee they don't.
0: No, no no no, not a
1: chance. But I don't think any of us would know what Nas is. And it makes its way even into video games and even video games that aren't Fast and the, the Furious. Furious ones, like I think Midnight Club was a game that I had uh-huh. that you had hit the, hit the booster. You could hit the boost and things like that. Well, that's
0: the thing is that, you know, the booster, the idea of a booster has existed. Sure. sure. But I again, I think you're right in that NOS or the idea of like we're going to have a, a tank of liquid nitrous oxide or some type of propellant that has evolved to be in plenty of other movies as well. I would also say uh, two two big things for me. We're going to talk about the explosion of Honda Civics later, um, but it definitely pumped up Civic sales in a big way. I guarantee you that. But one of the a couple of things that I really appreciate is that number one, I I really think it did bring more um, mainstream focus on imports. On, on foreign cars and them sure. being valuable commodities versus American muscle. And that's still a fun conversation that it's still had to this day.
1: Well, it's, t- it's featured front and center of uh, Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah, Isn't it's American
0: mu- Well, it is at the end of Furious 7. It's they, he's te- sure. They're teaching a the kid like, oh, oh, you're going to want the import. and Like, nah, he's a Toretto. He's an American muscle. Yeah, yeah, Like, Brian and Dom represent those two sides. But the other thing, in a weird way, you mentioned music. And um, I think with the music, it honestly helped, I think, push forward a multicultural type of of not only film, but also society because this movie, this movie particularly in its soundtrack, but also in its cast featured a wide diversity of different types of people and different genres. It had metal, it had rock, it had rap, it had new metal, it had electronica, it had a synthesizer score by BT. And you have this racing world that is dominated by, by white people but also has plenty of Latinos, has plenty of African-Americans, Asian community obviously hugely in charge there. And it really, again, gave everybody something to love and everybody kind of loved it universally. And I think that that's one of the reasons it's exploded as a franchise is because it did bring people of all – races and types together whether it be in music or in cars or whatever or in the casting and that's what it turned it into a worldwide phenomenon yeah that's just smart you know absolutely now for every franchise refills episode we got our refill categories that we're going to go into and they're unique for every movie every franchise that we do is going to have different categories but before we get to those i'm gonna want to take a little break What's up, good movie buddies? Before we continue, I want to remind everybody that you can get free regular episodes of The Popcorn Diet just by hitting that subscribe button or hitting that follow button wherever you're listening. So take a second, hit the button, give us a rating, write us a review, and share The Popcorn Diet with your other good movie buddies. We also want to remind you to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash thepopcorndiet and consider becoming a patron. You know, consider if support creators in general, consider giving a couple of bucks to your favorite podcast, even if it's not us because not only is that going to help support content creators out there, but it's also going to get you access to exclusive patron-only content, like early access to our regular episodes and access to some more of these franchise refills episodes. So check us out, patreon.com slash thepopcorndiet. Of course, we don't want you to forget that you can also follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram at Diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes Articles and more on our website, PopcornDietPodcast.com. But David, it's time for the refill categories. I have for this franchise 10 specific categories for us to go through. Uh, And I have them Uh specifically ordered. So let's go through this one by one. Uh, Category number one is actually a question followed by uh followed it's actually it's a question followed by another question so the first category is yes or no was there a race in this movie about street racers absolutely answer, it answer, was yes.
1: one of the one of the first scenes of the movie
0: mm-hmm. several races
1: very uh, very memorable but we also get a race on the pch against the uh, ferrari, ferrari. <laughs> we get
0: we get race wars we
1: get race wars we get Well, so that's those those are the main those are the main three races. Yeah, well, then
0: you get the final, obviously the final race. So, what's the best race? Not Do we we get several races, but we got the first race. The (laughs) I almost had you. That first race introduces us to the culture at large, and then we are never really shown that again, uh, unless it's race wars, which leads us to race wars. You know, race wars. We got Jeffrey Jesse versus Tran. You got Letty versus that one asshole, that pink slip guy. You got the Ferrari PCH race, and then you got the final quarter mile. So what would you say is the best race out of those ones? I know my answer. I
1: mean, it's it's the best race itself, yes, I gotta go with I gotta go with the last race. It,
0: yes. Now, why? Because of the gravitas because of everything that it means, because it's the end of the, it's the finale.
1: I think because it's the finale. Okay. It's 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 definitely between the first and and the and the last, last. race, obviously. Um, only because the first one is very memorable, but mostly it's memorable because of what happens after. Sure. And the conversation that happens sure. after. Sure. Sure. Versus the last one is iconic because you've got the big American muscle car uh-huh. that is fantastic, and then you've got this car that. Dom and, and Brian worked on together and you souped the up soup, and the so Supra. and so it's it's fun to see that happen. Obviously, it's Dom versus Brian again when it's actually an even match versus the beginning scene. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's why. Obviously, the ending is great with the train tracks and things like that. Oh yeah the whole setup to it and where we're at in the film at that point. But that's that's probably why that one, I give it a slight edge over the first one. I was tempted to
0: pick the first one, and then I was tempted to pick the PCH one just to be an asshole about it. But the first one I think is the better race. I think it's the better action sequence. Um, I think it's they're equally unrealistic. The final race I think is the more emotional. I think it matters more. I think it is the better race just in terms of – theming and stuff like that but it also does a lot of like slow motion stuff that is not that it's it hasn't aged very well there's just where they're shifting in slow motion and they're kind of blurry and brian looks over and tom and all this stuff and it's it's a little too melodramatic for my tastes you know slowing everything down like that but it's still i think you're right i still think it's the i think the final race is the final quarter mile is one of the most iconic moments of the entire franchise. So how do you how do you not list that as the best race? Question number two, category number two, best soundtrack use. I have four nominations here. Okay. And if you have any more, you can throw them on throw them in here. Number one, "Watch Back" by Benny Cassette for the whole diner. Nobody likes spicy. the tuna. Nobody likes the t- bullshit. Nobody likes the tuna. Um, the whole diner fight, the whole scene, watch her watch her watch your back. Everything about it in that scene. First nomination. The second nomination, Superstar by Saliva. Uh, one of those. That was again, the PCH race. It's the PCH race. It's it's maybe the most 2001 rock song I think I've ever heard. It's just it fits that era perfectly. Um, the third nomination is "Furious" by Ja Rule, which played over the end credits and was, I think, the most popular song. And it was the original song as well, like that was written for that for that movie.
1: And then Some, something that was a that becomes a trend in this film. There's always a yes, quote-unquote title song. There's always a title for each of the films.
0: Or there's always a there's always a and for the most part, it's been a hip hop. I don't think there hasn't been a movie that it wasn't a hip hop song. Um, but, yeah, Furious was the first one. Ja Rule, man, what? A little, like, too fast, too furious.
1: The See You Again, I can't remember if you'd classify that. I, we'd have to, when we uh, get to that one, we'll dig into that we'll one We'll bring deeper.
0: Wiz Khalifa on here, and yeah. we'll, we'll see what he thinks about it. And then the last one, I wanted to throw out a special mention by the, the to the score by BT, because even that decision was interesting bt being a dj and an electronic artist and if if you listen to a score it's actually really interesting it actually kind of emulates a lot of the scores that we hear now that's very synthesizer focused um and very it's it's not i mean it has its moments where it's a little intense and whatnot but for the most part it's very slow and very moody and atmospheric so i wanted to mention that as well but out of those those are the four that i have do you have any to add
1: i don't have any to add i think for me, the only ones that stand out when I think of this this movie, there's the ones from the trailers, which we've talked about. Rolling. Uh, in Rolling, as well as uh, Click Click, Click, Click Boom. Boom, which you were determined was I in am the still
0: film. adamant. I cannot remember for the life of me, but I'm <laughs> adamant that that is in the movie.
1: Well, the, the confusing part with that is both of those, uh, both Rolling and Click Click Boom had music videos that featured – Fast and the Furious right. in it. And and so we're so accustomed to if you do something like that, that it will be somewhere in the movie. But I think that was also something that was kind of for its time. You know, MTV was still playing music videos sometimes. It was so, a
0: different time when like soundtracks didn't necessarily have to be full of music that was actually. Well, and there was all, the all those movie. soundtracks,
1: like you said, that we talked about this earlier inspired by the film yeah and so you had ones that had a bunch of songs it's that just like,
0: it's just a mixtape what are we doing
1: exactly it's like the movie creators tape. created a mixtape for you to remember their film by That's it, and it. i love it it's crazy. i bought plenty of those soundtracks
0: i i'm i feel i listen i'm not not guilty of it
1: that being said for me there's only one song that sticks out in this film watch oh watch watch oh, exactly <laughs> and it's because it's one of my favorite scenes of the movie it's when Brian's at the the restaurant eating his tuna sandwich uh-huh. hitting on Mia and the the crew comes back and him and Vince get in it you have that building cuz you can feel it building in the right in the scene as it is but I would argue that scene is not nearly as effective if you don't have that song playing because yeah. it the what the way they gradually raise the volume of the song and yes. everything it's it's hard not to remember that. I would argue that if you ask most people about a song from that, they would remember that. Even if they don't initially do, as soon as you start to bring it up, I bet you a lot of people remember it's, where it's from.
0: It's just a really good sequence. I mean, and we'll talk about sequences later, but it's the way that they film, particularly the way that they film the fight, the way that they choreographed the fight, but then they were like, screw it, we're just going to do it naturally. The way the camera follows Dom as he like, shoves open the door and he's just walking that sandwich like all of it plays really really well and as you said when the they decide to kick the music up versus when they decide to drop it is extremely um it's extremely effective
1: well well, and i also am a sucker and enjoy when soundtracks use something that like is like very on the nose for what's happening Mm -hmm. in the scene yes so like obviously it's Brian's sitting there, back. and Vince is coming up <laughs> and basically threatening him, and so it's it. I just love when there's songs that are like basically exactly what's I going agree. on in the movie as well.
0: I agree. All right, um, we have next next category: best vehicle. I have eight nominees here. I mean, it's I should really not give as many nominees so that you can throw. some no i like
1: it then i don't have as many to to fill in i have eight
0: nominees here i have dom's 1970 dodge charger i mean again the iconic car of the film with the with the spoiler with the with the engine coming out of the hood again the dodge charger the american muscle i also have dom's Red Mazda RX-7, the one that he initially races in the first race and the one that he parks in the garage and I don't think we ever see again. I have – I think all of these have a certain level of iconography to them, like Jesse's 95 Volkswagen Jetta. That That, uh, Frankie Frankie Muniz
1: bought. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Frankie
0: Muniz bought that shit. But for the longest time, like having a two-door white Jetta was like, oh, you're Fast and Furious style. Oh, I get it now um uh brian's uh was this his first car or his second car i think this was the second car i think it's the orange car the 94 supra the supra
1: is the second car that's the
0: second car it's the one they race on the pch it's the one that he races in the finale and he gives to dom i still owe you a 10 second car before that though brian had the green eclipse which mm-hmm. uh they worked on and was destroyed by johnny Tran. Um, And then we have a couple of ones that I just wanted to throw in as honorable mentions. I always, for some reason, really liked Trans Honda uh, S2000. That's just a car that, like, when I take long enough to look at it, I don't like it. But when (laughs) I look at it quickly, I I like it. So that's I wanted to throw on there. You got to throw on the Ferrari
1: the Ferrari, yeah.
0: Ferrari, yep. way more than you can afford, pal. Ferrari, the three uh, the F355 Spider, which I believe was a $175,000 car at the time.
1: The the best part about all these cars is that they were all like mid-90s cars yeah. and this was a movie coming out in 2001. 2001. Right. Which again played into and it created, you know, going back to the cultural impact, this whole concept of like instead of like buying a I fast knew, car. Build your own car. You could buy like the shell of a crappy car and then tune it and soup right. it up. And that whole concept really was born, I think, from this film. Case in
0: point, that Ferrari almost two hundred thousand dollars, but all of Jesse's stuff that he threw in was like fifteen thousand yeah. dollars. So, and it's still going. You also that had the, ass.
1: the Brian's uh, Ford Lightning truck. That was. I did like that truck. That I love. I mean, that was uh, that That's, was a.
0: you how many red pickup trucks have you have owned?
1: Well, two, but at least two. But also, like the whole like lightning brand, like the lightning model of the F-150 was like a very, you know, it was an expensive, sought-after oh, one. Yeah. So it was funny that a dude delivering parts was driving a lightning. a
0: lightning of all things. Um, and then and we and we call this best vehicle because later on in the franchise, obviously, we will have more than cars to talk about. But I had to throw this last one in, David. It's the '93 Honda Civic. Three black Honda Civics. Yeah. Honda Civics. The sales skyrocketed after this movie.
1: You didn't want to throw in Tanner's ninety-two Crown Vic. No,
0: no, I, I did not. I did not include Tanner's Crown Vic on here. I apologize. So those are what I have. I have the I have the Charger, the RX seven, the Jetta, the Supra, the Eclipse, the S two thousand, the Ferrari, and the Honda Civic. What do you think goes for the best vehicle? Well,
1: to me, it's a two. It's easily. There's a top two. I think there's a standalone third and then there's everything else. Okay. So third place for me would be the Volkswagen Jetta. Okay. Understandable. Because it's iconic. I love that car, but it's really down to the Supra and the Charger. And and for me it's the Charger. I mean it's that's the charger. That's the answer. But I know for a lot of people kind of into more of the street racing and that kind of stuff it, it might be the Supra for people that were into more of the tuning of the cars and doing all that kind of stuff they might be more into the Supra or heck'm I'm, I'm not into all of that so maybe one of the other cars was one. I know skylines were were sought after. There was a lot of people that would soup up skylines. Skylines
0: coming going to be coming back in other entries of this of this series. Absolutely. So, um,
1: but for me, it's it's the 1970 Charger. I mean, that's what you think about in this film. If, right. if the most iconic scene is the end scene, that's when we finally see it come out. That's when we see it, you know, rev and and the mm-hmm. the front wheels come up at the start of the it's race. Iconic. All that kind of, all It's that.
0: iconic. Yeah. I'm not giving it to the Charger though. You going the Supra? I'm going with the Honda Civic, man. I'm. You want to talk about <laughs> cultural impact? I'm gonna go, and I. This is where I'm gonna be a bit of a smartass about it because the correct answer is the Charger. Like that's just the correct, objectively correct answer. But again, everyone I knew wanted to buy a Honda Civic. Uh, you know, uh, whether it was the uh, the upperclassmen in high school at the time, or whether it was us. In high school and all the people who were getting their licenses, the Honda Civic, not only was it iconic for the movie, but it was affordable. It was cheap. You could buy it and you could do whatever you wanted with it. So I'm going to throw the Honda Civic up there. I know it's controversial, controversial, but whatever. Um, all right. Let's move through some of these other categories before this becomes a two-hour podcast. Coolest scar- car stunt and or feat. I have six listed here. All right. I have um, – <laughs> I, do, I wanted to mention the Eclipse blowing the manifold in the first race where his – floor, his I don't know what you call it, floorboard. Was that fun? <laughs> that is completely unreal. There is no way that the first thing to go on the car would be the floorboard of the car. There's just no way. There's a way many – there's a whole list of other things that would explode on that car before the G-Force blew off the floorboard. But nonetheless, I wanted to put that on there. Um, I have the, as far as car stunts, I have the Civic going underneath the semi-truck, yep. another iconic stunt, all done practically, but with rigged, obviously, trucks and cars. Um, the the heists, just in general, you know, the three-car heists and the choreography that it takes to do that, the jumping from the car to the, to the semi-truck, that kind of stuff yep. I wanted to put on there. Uh, I wanted to throw the... General Los Angeles chase and the way that these cars and bikes were just jumping over the hills of, of like, outside, slightly outside of Los Angeles. Um, and then the, the last two is the, the Charger versus Supra uh, race. Barrel roll. Well, not the barrel roll. I wanted to throw the race in there because they have the train. And obviously they're not really jumping through the train, but the idea of it, the feet – sure of the car and then of course the barrel roll the hitting mm-hmm. the semi f- n- flying over the supra and crashing again as i said is one of the best and that's going to be that's my pick is um you think about the civic and you think about the semi truck and that's an incredible stunt but the the charger semi flip is like that's in the highlight reels
1: yeah there's there's really only two that come to mind to me when i think of it and it's Obviously, I remember all the others, but the ones that come to mind are always the going under the semi-truck, which gets used, I believe, again in this franchise at some point. Uh-huh. Hobbs
0: and Shaw callbacks. Hobbs and Shaw does, does it. it.
1: And so there's that one. But again, the iconic moment of the the charger hitting the, mm-hmm. the vehicle, doing the barrel roll. Mm-hmm. That's that's tops for me.
0: That's tops. All right. This is going to be an emotional one. <laughs> Because the next category is best words of words of wisdom. All right. Now I've taken the first quote and I've shortened it, but I can do the entire quote if you want. But the first one I have is: "It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning's winning." I like it. But I have the whole quote if needed. Okay. Um, fuck it. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I could do it Vin Diesel style though. You almost had me. You never had me. You never had your car. Granny shifting, not double clutching like you should. You're lucky that 100 shot of knots didn't blow the welds on the intake. You almost had me. Now me and the mad scientist got to rip apart the back and replace the piston rings you fried. Ask any racer, any real racer. It doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning's winning.
1: I got goosebumps.
0: That's the full quote. That's the full quote. I'm about eight octaves too high for to do a Vin Diesel quote. It's true, but it is what it is. You should
1: have done that for speech class.
0: <laughs> That's my monologue. That's my dramatic monologue for uh, for auditions. Uh, second one. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Nothing else matters. Not the mortgage. Not the store. Not my team and all their bullshit. For those ten seconds or less, I'm free. Another one. Was also included. We kind of split it up. There's that first that long quote actually has like several of these. Like you never had you had me. You never had me. It's true. You never had your car. Um, and then the last two. You can have any brew you want as long as it's a Corona appropriate for this time, for this time and age right now. And shockingly, there is a good word of wisdom passed down that is not passed down by Dominic Toretto. It's not how you stand by a car. It's how you race your car. You better learn that. Fucking jaw Rule. Throwing <laughs> it out. Best words of wisdom. Those are what I have. Did I miss anything? Do you have any that you'd like to throw in? We will also be resurfacing or, or, or not resurfacing, but those, all of those quotes are going to be in, in the best quote category. But best quote has some that do not necessarily fall under words of wisdom. So that's important to mention.
1: I don't think I had any more to add. Those were those are all the ones when it comes to words of wisdom.
0: I left out his talk about his father. He's like, I heard him screaming, but then they told me I was the one who was screaming. Like I, I left that out. It's not really.
1: I mean, you, you could have other words of wisdom, like when Brian's telling telling them to go or talking to Mia. There's sure. some, some lines in there, you but a 10 second car. But none of those are, are really words of wisdom. I yep. feel like we've we've touched on on the, the the wisdom and and unsurprisingly, as we'll see throughout this franchise, most of them come from Dominic. Dominic Toretto, Toretto
0: our little our little Nasfield field Buddha. That's right. So, what's your best favorite words of wisdom there? Is it the whole? We could cheat and just say it's that whole quote because that's like two or three words of wisdom inside of one thing. <laughs> one I, long monologue.
1: I think. Uh, it's it's tough. Obviously for me it's it's between either that I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Yep. Or it don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile, winning's winning. I think I got to go with winning's winning. It's just the most used. Absolutely. Like it's the it's
0: the I have applied that to my life in many ways. <laughs> in many ways. If if I can eke out my victory just by a little bit. <laughs> Dominic Toretto's coming back there. I like it. All right, best quote. Uh, obviously, all of those are in there. I got I got eight here. Some of them are very short. First one. Why don't you try the fat burger from now on? Get yourself a double cheese and fries for two ninety five. And I cut out the last part because I it's it. a it's a gay slur and it has aged very poorly in nineteen years. <laughs>
1: But I feel like you guys skip over that and go to I like the tuna.
0: Bullshit, asshole. No one likes the tuna, <laughs> <laughs> which is another which is also on the list. Fantastic. Um, literally, I think most of the other best quotes come from this from this entire scene, like just the scene in itself. So I got the one I'm in your face <laughs> or uh, you embarrass me. <laughs> uh, those are all uh, you work for Harry, right? You were just fired. But then I have a couple of other ones. I have, uh, I never knocked on nobody. I never knocked on nobody. (laughs) I got that one. I got, uh, I smell skanks from Letty. I like that.
1: Yeah, then she says, uh, why don't you get out of here before I leave tread marks on your face. (laughs) Yeah,
0: which is great. And then the last one is, no, Monica. Got to keep throwing a little love to Ja Rule here. For whatever reason, has never been brought back. Like, how come we've never seen Edwin again? How come we've never seen it? Is because Ja got involved with the Firefest and the producers don't want anything could to be, do with them anymore? Be. What so,
1: about uh what about why'd you bring the Buster here? Why
0: because
1: oh. the Buster kept me out of handcuffs. <laughs> the Buster brought me back.
0: It's so good. This movie's so good, David. I love this movie very much. So we you can still pick Words of Wisdom as best quote. Do you have any other best quotes before we make the call?
1: No, I don't think so. there's I, a lot like there's a lot. I still owe you a ten second car I, I still owe you a ten second car. I had the uh the Jesse line of was that fun that
0: was a good one
1: <laughs> yeah. I can't think of any others. I don't think so. There was the uh there's the Johnny Tran line of Too Soon Junior when they're racing in race yeah, yeah. wars, but uh, I don't I don't think there's I, don't really anything. It. I, don't I don't hate I don't think there's it. anything. Nothing's gonna live up to the ones that we've already had there.
0: So if you so again, I'm gonna still pick. It don't matter if you win by an inch or mile when it's winning. That's just it's the best words of wisdom. It's the best quote. It is the most used item out of all of this. That's what I'm going with.
1: As much as I enjoy all the lines from the diner scene,
0: and I could pick menu.
1: out. Plenty of them. We didn't even mention the what'd you put in you that put sandwich? That, what'd you
0: put in that sandwich? Come on, Dom. Like
1: <laughs> But I'm Brian go- Earl Spillner. That sounds going, like a
0: serial killer name. Is that what you are?
1: I'm going with an underdog story here. Ooh. One that you would have never expected from a movie like this. Okay. And you would never expect that it would be still be getting carried on through the franchise today. Okay. Oh. You can have any brew you want. As long as, long as it's a corona. corona.
0: Okay, all right. The, the all right. concept
1: of Dom only drinking coronas has continued and it continues today in this Dutch. franchise. And I think there's not a whole lot else that you can uh that you can say that about. That quote, that scene, and the way people reacted to it is something that they held on to. And even as we've gotten away from racing, so like it's not as right. much the Winning is winning, right? Is being core to the franchise, right? The fate of the
0: furious ends with them on a rooftop in New York drinking coronas.
1: There's the uh, when we'll get to it in the other movies, but when uh, what's his name? Uh, Kurt Russell picks him up, brings him up. He's got a fridge full of coronas. We might have him to him add that as a like
0: category. That. Is corona is the best corona moment? Best or user, is there a corona <laughs> is moment? Is there a corona moment? Uh, um, but yeah,
1: this is the start of it all, and okay. it's. And I don't know if when they put that line in the movie, they knew what they did at that point.
0: Okay. yeah, I don't think so either. Not at all. I don't think Corona did either. I don't think so either. Good for them. Uh, number seven, best family moment. So best. This is the best moment. As far as family moments go, it's just like the best moment of family being family. Okay. And I got five nominations here. Number one is the party after the first race, as you said. The buster brought me here. Number two. Is the fight outside the shop. That's like if that's not family, if that's not a family like Brian trying to get into the family and the family reacting to it, I don't know what is. Number three is the dinner. Obviously, you know, that we're going to have chicken. Well, you were the first person to touch the food, which means you got to say grace. And Jesse's saying grace and Jesse's prayer about about nitrous oxide and pistons and all that kind of stuff. I also want to put on there Jesse's death. Because that is still to this it's day brutal. brutal and very and sad, and it's not really referenced a ton anymore, but it still kind of hangs over, I think, everybody you know, involved Brian, Dom, Mia, particularly. Uh, and then the last one, which is which is the forming the family bonds, is Brian letting Dom go. I stole you a 10 second card the way he holds the key. Like he holds the key in a very weird way, like in his fingers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so those are the five that I have. Do you have any to add?
1: No, I think you got all the ones that that I had for that. You've got the uh, you've okay. got the time at the the house when they're lounging around and doing dishes and mm-hmm. Mia Bates Vince into it that kind of thing. Bro- the, what was that place you wanted me to take to? Cha cha cha.
0: Savage Mia, S- absolutely savage.
1: You can take me to cha cha cha.
0: Damn. Holy shit. Took it to another
1: level. Not that Vince didn't have it coming. Vince but, had it coming, but damn. It was very savage. Um, so that was, the, that was the only other one that came to mind. They're all sitting around watching, uh, funny enough, one of... Dragon. The, Robert, uh, 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 Rob Cohen's other movies that he did. The Bruce, Bruce Lee, Lee story. story. Yep. So, But for me, my winner in, in the best family moment has got to be the first time we sit around the table and eat dinner as a, as a family. I think we obviously come back to that concept throughout the franchise, mm-hmm. and Jesse's prayers is hilarious too. So. <laughs> it's
0: great. It's
1: and and it does.
0: It's uh, it's it's revisited multiple times. So I agree. I am going with Brian letting Dom go because that again, sure, is what differentiates this from a Point Break, and it's what allows this franchise to continue into what it was, even though we didn't get Dom back for another movie in like 1.9 movies. Yeah. Um. Best extended family member, so this role, this this category is all about the supporting cast. It doesn't. It's the best so extended Dom and member. Paul are out. Dom and Paul are or out. Or Dom and uh, Brian. I would say uh, uh, I would say Letty's out, and I would say Mia's out. I think those four are the family. Okay. So we got to go beyond that. Okay. So I got six. All right. All right. I got Leon, Johnny's played by Johnny Strong. I got Vince played by Matt Schultz. I got Jesse, played by Chad Lindberg. Obviously, that's the crew. But I want to throw a few more in there, right? I got Johnny Tran, played by Rick Yoon. I got Hector, who, who has who has come back, uh, played by Noel uh, Guglimi. I got Edwin, played by Ja Rule. And then I wanted to throw one more out there. I want to throw Ted Levine out there as Sergeant Tanner. Shout outs, shouts out to Ted Levine. Who's just an all-time great character actor? Like that guy he was in heat. He played a cop in heat, one of the best cops and robbers movies ever. And he's, now he's in, in this, as Sergeant Tanner. So that's who I got as my best extended family member. who's, got, who's who would you say as, in, in regards to the sporting
1: cast here, who, is the, who has the strongest showing? Man, I, I know watching the movie, I love Jesse. Right, and he's the heart of the crew. He's, he's the one that like he had a soft you had a soft spot for him uh-huh. doesn't help either that he's the one that ends up getting getting killed um for some reason, I always enjoyed Hector too love Hector um, but I feel like because of his involvement in so many of my favorite things in this film. Yes. It's got to go to Vince. It's got to go to Vince. Vince also, not for nothing, was 100% right about everything. He was.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, that's an incredible thing. Like, Vince, listen, dirtbag, right? Like, Absolutely. Dirtbag. That guy wears a mesh tank top, all right? he. It's bad. It's not great, but... He was right about everything. He was right about the buster. He was right. And, and, and we'll revisit Vince, obviously, later on in the franchise and whatever. But not for nothing, he's the only one of this crew that comes back. Yeah. Besides Hector. But Hector comes back in a different way. So I agree. I agree. It's got to be Vince. The last two, last two categories, best overall moment or scene. And I got a lot. I got the first heist when we established the stakes and what mm-hmm. this crew is capable of. The first race, obviously, when we see and and get into this world and all the cars lining up and the APBs and the police scanners and the all that shit, the diner fight, as we've talked about many times, uh, the after party, the buster mm-hmm. brought me here, that family dinner, you know, the prayer and 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 again the real. Uh, what's the word emotional center of this entire franchise was based around that scene race wars and <laughs> everything that was crazy about race wars the final heist and everything going wrong Jesse's death and chasing down Johnny Tran and then the final race and crash and sending Dom uh, out that's did, that's
1: did you mention the the heist when uh Mia and and Brian have to uh, basically bail them out because the the semi-truck drivers are arming themselves yeah that's
0: the final heist okay, when, okay. Vince, when vince takes a yep. shotgun shot yep, yep and and calls the
1: helicopter and reveals himself to exactly be, it's yeah. got
0: the shot of dom reaching out to the car some amazing stunt work in that yep, entire yep. sequence but yeah that's the final heist okay is what i say so what a best overall moment or scene Dave? it's a tough one there's a lot of things we love in this movie what would be your pick
1: so there's best, and then there's my favorite, and I'm going to lean towards my favorite. Okay. Which, if you've been listening, probably isn't surprising, but the scene I easily go back and watch most frequently from this movie, which is the diner it's scene. the diner fight, the, it's the, all of it. The tuna, everything from sitting down to get the tuna, can I get a menu? What do you want? I don't know. Crappy. I don't know what's good here. You
0: asked me last week if the tuna was good. It was crappy. I then. love everything about now. that.
1: But I think one of the things that I love, besides like all, besides the fact that I like quoting the entire scene, of course, it also very much defines each of those characters, and it lets you basically see who each of these characters are. So, right, you see. Uh, Brian is kind of a cocky playboy type. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, You see Mia as kind of the grounded, like responsible one Mm -hmm. in the group that's trying to run the business and take care of things. I like this guy.
0: I like the attention. But I got a big brother over here who's going to take care of whatever shit I get
1: into. You see Dom is kind of the more stays behind the scenes a little bit, obviously other than racing unless he has owning that. And then what, but when he comes out, he comes out. Uh Vince is the The hothead, the hothead. (laughs) You've got a, Oh, what's his name? Uh, Leon, who's kind of off to the side. He's always joking. I like when him and, uh, Jesse are, are messing around with the sunglasses and Uh he's like, Oh, he's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) And, And like, uh, Jesse's the, obviously you get introduced because damn he immediately Vince immediately starts talking to him about what's going on with his car uh-huh. and, uh, it's, it's apparent that Jesse's kind of the, the scientist of the crew yeah Letty comes in and it's kind of cold to everybody he goes and says she's, hi to she's the hard Dom. ass exactly so I feel like you could just watch that scene and know what all of these people are about as far as their characters and then you get the fact that it's got Fantastic quotes that we love to quote all the time. So that's my reason behind I'm the diner let, scene. I'm
0: gonna let you sell me on it. That's I'm I'm in. I'm in on that. I was gonna say the the final race and the car flip and everything because it is iconic and whatnot. But that is a very well done dissertation thank of you, why the you. diner fight is is one of the best scenes in this thank movie, you, thank man. You. That's incredible. I'm blown away. I'm I'm very proud of you. And <laughs> I you you fucking. Flipped my opinion on it, man. I really appreciate that. That's incredible. I'm gonna go with diner fight as well. Uh, And then last, most victorious. Who came out of this movie on top? Who came out of this movie with all the pink slips? With the new 10 second cars, I have four. Obviously, Vin Diesel, Mm -hmm. Paul Walker. Mm -hmm. Can cannot state enough. Mm -hmm. Um, In hindsight. I want. I'm gonna at least mention Rob Cohen because this is the greatest thing he's ever done, and he hasn't been able to match that yet. Um, but also, my last one, Honda Civics, and they're and they're and I haven't done the research because I'd love to back this up with numbers. But Honda Civics, I just of all of the cultural impact. That's what I got. Do you have anything else that you would like to add there's, as there's, most victorious? There's
1: one other that I think should be in the, the running for it. Okay. Which is Universal Studios. Okay. Because I believe, where were we in the Jurassic franchise Oh, at this, this is an
0: Oh, my God, David. That is an excellent. I'm excited that you even said this because that was
1: 2001, right? Jurassic Park 3 came out in 2001. Yeah. So at this point, that franchise was pretty, pretty much dying although yes. we know that it comes back now recently yep but As if you think about it they didn't really have anything else kind of going on no not really we don't get minions for a while after no nope. for a number of years after no nope. um purge movies didn't come for a little bit and they're obviously not successful like this but what they didn't know they stumbled into with this film and the billions of dollars that it's (laughs) since made. Like, this is what started it all. In a $38 million budget film... It's true. There's not many franchises that you can think of that have been this successful that started in this way. Like, you even think about Marvel. Like, Iron Man, that had a decent-sized budget and was kind of built to... Be a part of something bigger and and be that big. It already had tons of special effects and and big leads and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Jurassic Park. Even when if you go to Jurassic Park, like when that started, it had Spielberg behind it. It had dinosaurs and effects that we've never seen, like all that kind of stuff. And so I think uh, I think Universal has to be in consideration. You gotta have
0: to have to have the conversation. Here were Universal's movies that year: Hannibal. Josie and the Pussycats, Bridget Jones Diary, The Mummy Returns, The Fast and the Furious, Jurassic Park 3, American Pie 2, Captain Corelli's Mandolin, The Musketeer, Mulholland Drive, K-Pax, Spy Game. Admittedly, A Beautiful Mind, got him Best Picture. (laughs) Sure. And then How High. So I think that that's a really good one to add on there Um, because you're right. It gave them lifeblood for the next 20 plus years. Um,
1: So who's your winner? think I'm going to give the narrow edge over Universal to Vin Diesel.
0: I mean, how do you not? This b- made him.
1: Listen, he had been on a great streak in sure. Saving Private Ryan. Obviously, he was the voice in Iron Giant. Uh-huh. Boiler Room, Pitch Black. Pitch all Black. movies that are endeared by a lot of people, but right. he was in a supporting role. Um, you could argue Pitch Black. He's the most memorable sure. part. Sure, he's of that like the film, Jack Sparrow. He's, yeah, but this really defined him as, and you could even say it's more of kind of like A and B. You know, one A and one B in this movie with Paul Walker. But sure, I think this gave studios the confidence that maybe Vin Diesel could be a leading man. Now, has that been proved true outside, outside of, of, the of this? I'm not question. sure that you could say that. Uh, But he gets his Triple X franchise, which is centered around him right after this. Uh They decide to do Chronicles of Riddick. He had A Man Apart, which obviously he's the lead in. He had The Pacifier. Um, Again, I'm not exactly listing off these fantastic films. but Up until that point, it was all supporting, supporting, supporting. Right. And then every movie that he does after that, for the most part, he is the lead. Like he doesn't go back into being supporting until he does the voice for Groot, right? And even beyond that, other than Groot, every time he's in a movie, he's the lead, right? And every and let's be clear, every time he's in a movie
0: and that is not a Fast and Furious movie in which he is the lead,
1: it, it does, does not do it does very not well. Do very well, and usually for good reason because like, they're not great movies again.
0: Either. He did—all those movies you listed, The Pacifier, all those movies, Find Me Guilty, they were interesting experiments that ultimately—like, they just didn't succeed. Yeah. And then he shows back up in Tokyo Drift, does Babylon AD, which crashes, and then it's all Fast and Furious movies. Riddick is awesome, but it didn't make a ton of money. He brought
1: back— even in twenty seventeen he tried to reinvigorate Triple X, Return of and, Xander Cage. And
0: admittedly, that movie made a lot of money worldwide. Yeah, it did. Like well. that's the only other one. But like
1: Last Witch Hunter, nope. Uh Bloodshot just came out? Nope. And and granted, Bloodshot probably sure. wasn't gonna do great, but it also lost any chance of <laughs> picking up steam when everything happened that's Apparently,
0: happened. Apparently he is in
1: Avatar 2 and Avatar
0: 3 Avatar 2 and 3 which uh, I I'm he's got he's, he's obviously
1: going to be back in a supporting role at that point. I mean, sure, which but, I think is well. where he's probably best suited to be if he's not playing Dominic Toretto. Yeah, it's going to be
0: it that's going to be really interesting. But yeah, man, it's I think it's got to be Vin Diesel.
1: Like this has built the last 20 years of his life. Sure. So. Well, and it's it's also fun to see how he knows that and this franchise means so much to him like very much so this is his family like the the lines between Dom Toretto and Vin Diesel, Vin Diesel are, are starting very, are very blurred they're at this very point blurred. They're I don't very know if, blurred. I don't know if he knows the difference between the two even when you see him make press appearances when he was on stage right. for the ridiculous concert right. that we had. It's Dominic Toretto. To, at least it feels like Dominic Toretto Dom's now. Dom's here.
0: Oh, Dom's here, everybody. Like, he's Surprised wearing Surprised he wasn't jacket. drinking a Corona when he was on stage. <laughs> I guarantee you he was before <laughs> he was on stage of that thing. Oh, my God. Well, all right. It's Vin Diesel. And um, that's it. I can't wait to talk about the rest of these movies. Like, I'm so excited. These movies are so good. They are so insane and not good, but phenomenal. And that's what this podcast is all about is loving the things in movies that are categorically not Best Picture winners. They, they can't even be compared, but they're still good. They still give us that feeling because they make it's fun and it's exciting, and I'm pumped to do more. Um, but this very long episode must come to an end at some point, and so we are going to wrap it up. Uh, but before we go, don't forget, you can get free episodes just by hitting the subscribe button, hitting that follow button wherever you're listening. Take a second. Subscribe. Give us a rating, write us a review, share The Popcorn Diet with your other good movie buddies. Don't forget to check us out on our Patreon, patreon.com slash thepopcorndiet. If you want to listen to the rest of the Fast Saga franchise refills, that is where you can do it, on our Patreon. Consider throwing a couple dollars to support an independent podcast. Don't forget to follow us on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at Diet. And last but certainly not least... Check out our website for all of our latest latest regular episodes, articles, and more, popcorndietpodcast.com. But for the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, and we'll see you next time on The Popcorn Diet. Adios.